Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Matthew chapter 25, who's ready for the word of God? It says here in verse 1, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Say wise. Say foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Say, buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. And I want to play this account in Matthew chapter 25, this parable off with 1 Samuel chapter 15. In the Old Testament, it says this in verse 35, and Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. And verse 1 of chapter 16 says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil. So fill your horn with oil. And go, and I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Tonight I want to speak to you on a very simple thought. The lamp, the horn, and the oil. The lamp, the horn, and the oil. Both these accounts I'm going to sort of weave in very quickly together, but the account of the Matthew chapter 25, Jesus speaks this parable and he talks about these 10 virgins and then in 1 Samuel chapter 15 in the Old Testament, both these passages talk about seasons of relative inactivity, seasons of transition, seasons where people have kind of been stuck a little bit, kind of waiting for what next. And, and, and the central element in these two accounts is oil. The oil in the Bible always represents the Holy Spirit's manifest reality. It, it always represents the presence, represents the anointing. It, I, 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 man, God is, has just a way of doing things. I didn't realize that you guys were going to anoint your new San Francisco pastors with oil tonight. But the oil is always in Scripture, represented God's manifest reality made real. And the thing about Matthew chapter 25 and the account in the Old Testament as well in 1 Samuel is that they both had this thing where the ten virgins as well as the prophet Samuel we're in a season of anticipation and expectation during a season of disruption and delay. What am I saying is that across the last couple of years, we've had some of the most disrupted seasons of our lives, did we not? But how many of you know that in seasons of dis disruption and delay, we can choose one of two paths. We can choose inactivity, chill, Netflix, just bunker down and wait it out, or we can have a sense of anticipation and expectation. But there is something about a church that in various seasons, whether there's inactivity or high activity, that you constantly switched on for what next? Saying, God, is there a sense of anticipation and expectation that I can have for you? And if there's anything that Matthew chapter 25 and 1 Samuel can teach us, it's simply this, that we need to get more oil instead of trying to get a better lamp. Mm, I'm going to go there tonight. You see, the modern day church is somehow obsessed with getting better lamps. Yeah. 
And so what we do with lamps is that we think that the way to change the world is to polish our lamps. And so we polish, we, we, we get busy polishing lamps. We spend nights out making our lamps look real shiny. And then we Instagram our lamps so other people can envy our lamps. But I don't know about you, scripture tells us that God's not all that interested in lamps, he's interested in oil. We've come out of a season where at the click of a button, we were able to use the internet to check out other people's lamps. You get on YouTube and you've got a whole selection. You can drop down, scroll through, click, and we're checking out everyone else's lamps. And then what we get caught up in is we start playing lamp games. We start comparing how big our lamps are. Hello? We start comparing how shiny we start telling each other about. We start envying the logos on our... Oh, man. I don't know about you, but the sense I get is that our nation doesn't have a lamp crisis. It's got an oil crisis. And as I began to ponder what next for the church and the sense that I get for mine and Nation's Church and for yours, it's simply this, that God does not want us to be Trinitarian by confession, but Trinitarian in practice. Oh my God, help me preach this. There's got to come a time where the church of Jesus Christ embraces the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there's a sense that all three are equal in one. And tonight, the Holy Spirit wants to break out because he's saying to you, it's time for the church to get oily again. Turn to someone and say, give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. And for too long, and for too long, the church has caught itself up in knots, trying to make its lamps better. But I tell you what, better lamps aren't gonna change the world. It's more oil in our lamps. See, what separated the five wise from the five foolish was not that five had lamps and five didn't. All 10 had lamps. What separated the wise from the foolish was that five had oil. I wonder if the day is coming where the Lord upon the earth will cast his eyes to and fro, back and forth to look for the churches that are full of oil. Because he's not interested in great Instagram accounts with blue ticks. Come on, are you out there? He's not interested in ministers with TikTok accounts and fantastic on social media. He's interested in men and women of God that are oily. He's coming back, not for your lamps, he's coming back for your oil. This bridegroom came and what separated the five wise from the five foolish was not how fancy and shiny their lamps were, but how oily they were. And here's the thing, oil is readily available for everyone, but everyone's responsible for getting their own oil. Hmm. (laughs) You know, during 2020, during the pandemic, uh, I was in a season where for 12 months, you know, we, we we worked around the clock, thinking about how to make our online amazing. We strategized, we, we, you know, we, we tried different things, we bought new equipment, we got on different platforms, we experimented with camera angles. There were late nights looking at edits and looking at different you know, lower thirds and looking at their perspectives. And by the end of about nine, 12 months, in, in all of the, just trying to get our church engaged online, we were in different various stages of lockdown. I felt at the end of the 12 months, I was completely cooked. 
it felt like I'd exhausted all of this energy trying to create a shinier, better lamp. And I remember the Holy Spirit saying to me, Ken, you're exhausted, you are weary because you're doing work that I never asked you to do. You have made yourself a, a lamp man when I've called you to be an oil man. And I wonder if today there are some believers in the room where you are exhausted from expending yourself doing things that God never asked you to do. When in different seasons, when you're maybe wondering what is next and what, 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 have, you, what have you got for me next? And, and you're tying yourself up in knots, trying to look for a better lamp. And some people have tried to go from lamp to lamp looking for fulfillment. They've hopped from lamp to, oh, come on now. They've lamp shopped. They went lamp shopping, looking to fulfill the empty void on the inside of them. And all along, God has never been interested with your lamp. He's saying, come on, get some oil. Because what's going to separate the five wise from the five foolish one day is not the quality or the shininess or the image of our lamps, but the oil that we've got. And here's the thing, what Matthew chapter 25 has taught us is that you can't have someone else's oil. Man, I've been a pastor for a real long time. I don't know how many times I've heard somebody say, oh man, my wife does enough praying for both of us. I'm like third generation's preacher's kid. I'm good. You can't have someone else's oil. Now, I, I, I am a leader by default. I delegate everything. But you know what? My PA can't get oil for me. My staff can't get oil for me. My wife can't pray for oil for me. I've got to go and get my own oil. Because the bridegroom comes and he knocks on the door. Suddenly, all 10 virgins woke up. All these bridesmaids woke up. Five discovered that they had no oil. And they went to the other five that had oil and said, please, can you give us some oil? To which their response was this, go buy yourselves some of your own oil. Now, a lot of people have wrongly exegeted the scripture and have said that, you know, it, 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 it's an excuse to profiteer from the Holy Spirit. It's no such thing. What Jesus was saying in Matthew 25 is simply this, that oil is going to cost you. It's going to cost you your convenience. It's going to cost you some Sunday afternoons because you're going to be here at the prayer meeting. It's going to cost you some margin where you're actually going to flick the TV off, turn your telephone, your, your, turn your cell phone off, turn your mobile off, turn your smart devices off. It's going to cost you some convenience. Come on, are you out there? It's going to cost you some early mornings where you need to actually get up and say, give me oil in my lamp. I'm wondering tonight whether God is going to raise up an army of people that are not gonna take lamps to San Francisco, but oil. I'm wondering tonight if, if God is gonna raise up an army of people that are not gonna be planting lamp hubs, but they're oil hubs. Oh, come on, Pastor Corey, come on. See, there is something about this house that is tangible that I, I know that I'm already preaching to the choir, but this is something about Matthew chapter 25 that struck me for this house. The five wise virgins weren't just lauded for their wisdom because they had oil. There is a line in there that said that they had extra oil. There's something about this church that is gonna set this church apart. You're not just gonna be an oily church. People are gonna fly from around the world to be here to catch the extra oil that you got. Because oil is the only thing that's gonna change your community. For those of you that are in the West, those of you that are in the South campus, those of you that, where else are you? Those of you that are in the East. All of the neighboring communities around those locations, all the trauma, all the abuse, all the loneliness, all the rejection, all the alcoholism. Come on, are you out there? 
there is no answer to these things by playing the lamp game. What is powerful to transform lives? The way that you're gonna make disciples in a transformative way is to be an oily church, not a lamp church. I need a resounding amen from you. You know the whole thought about wineskin? People talk about wineskin, what's the new norm, right? Wineskin is just another conversation about lamps. People talk about what is the new wineskin? What is the new way of doing church? How many of you know that wineskin without wine is nothing? It's not the wineskin that God's interested in. It's the wine that he wants to protect. That's why he talks about the wineskin. Yes, we need fully functioning lamps. Yes, we need kids' church. Yes, we need youth ministries. Yes, we need all of this stuff. Absolutely. But this is not what transforms lives. This is the only, come on. Oh, do I have a church that says, God, give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning. I want to read out a list of names for you tonight. See if they're familiar to you. Smith Wigglesworth, John Wesley, Charles Finney, Evan Roberts, William Booth, Dwight Moody, Hudson Taylor, John G. Lake, Charles Spurgeon, Catherine Kuhlman, Evan Roberts, Steve Hill, Amy Semple McPherson, C.L. Greenwood. None of them had Facebook accounts, none of them had Instagram, but man, they had oil. They had oil. None of them had blue ticks next to their name. None of them were well-known, didn't have websites. They had no green rooms for them. Hello. None of them flew business class, but man, they had oil. Oh man, I'm preaching to a church tonight. Hebrews 11 verse 38 says that the world was not worthy of them. I'm wondering tonight at the end of our lives, will we be found oily? Or will we just be shiny lamps that had no oil? Here's the thing about lamps that are shiny. Anything that is shiny doesn't burn in and of its own self. Shiny things actually need things to be bright on the outside for it to look good. But when you got oil, you could be in the darkest communities, sir. You could be leading in the darkest communities, but your campus will shine bright because it's got oil. Come on, are you out there? I'm not talking about not being excellent. I'm not talking about not, not, not being great with the things that we do. What I am saying is that it's time for the Australian church to realize that there are times where we preach the Trinity, but we operate with a Trinitarian mindset. It's time for us to raise the next generation to be oily. Man, I wanna pour out oil on every child in this church, on every teenager, on every young adult. You need to know that what this nation needs from you is not better quotes, better memes, better Instagram accounts, it's better oil. And I'm so sorry if we've taught you that the way to an effective Christian life is to look good instead of burn bright. Turn to someone and say, give me oil in my lamp. Even right now, there is an atmosphere shifting. See, what I love about this account in Matthew chapter 25 is that it's a sobering conversation that Jesus is having. We have one shot in this life to live with the power of the Holy Spirit. We have one shot to make this life count. And there are seasons that are gonna come for this house where you will have great frameworks of equipping, you will have great resources, I know that you have. But what is truly gonna bring the harvest into this place is not the great lamps that you have, but the oil that you drip with. And my prayer is that every single person that calls Numa Church home in every single location, if you're listening on Spotify and watching this on YouTube, my prayer is that you're gonna so drip with oil that wherever you go, you won't just burn bright, you're gonna burn long. 
The next account that we read out of 1 Samuel chapter 15, and I feel this is a prophetic picture for this house, accounts for the prophet by the name of Samuel. Samuel was the, in the Old Testament, was the mouthpiece of God to kings. He was the advisor to kings. And for a season, he was the advisor or the prophet to King Saul, only that as we read scripture, King Saul had literally uh, uh, become disobedient. He had done some things and disobeyed God and didn't destroy all the Amalekites and their wealth properly. And in, instead, he kept some for himself. And so God said, I, I, I think I'm done with the Saul era. And so for a little season there, Samuel felt like he was in a season of transition. He was in a season where he wasn't sure what next. God, what do you want next for me? How many have you ever been in a season in your life where you're wondering, God, what do you want next for me? You know that God has called you and you want to serve God, but you're not really sure what next. And you're kind of hanging back, not really certain about the next steps that God wants for you. Well, Samuel was in this season of his life. And it's in those seasons of your life, it's easy for you to put on the shelf the very things that God had anointed you for. See, every prophet back in the Old Testament had a horn. The horn was this canister that they kept the sacred oil that was reserved for anointing. In the Old Testament, these horns that were kept by these prophets were these vessels that kept the oil for which whenever God called them into activation, they would come and anoint either the next king or the next person for ministry. Follow me so far. And here was Samuel for a little season in his life, not knowing what next. He literally put his horn on the shelf. Until God speaks to him again and says, Samuel, I never asked you to stop. You might have felt like your time was up. You might have felt like your calling was over because Saul's season is done. But I'm actually asking you to fill your horn with oil again. I believe this is a prophetic word for someone in this room. You've actually shelved your calling. Come on. God's actually called you into the marketplace to build kingdom with finance. God's actually called you in the area of evangelism. God's actually called you in pastoral ministry. God's actually called you to invest in the next generation. But there's been something happened in your life. Maybe somewhere, somehow you were hurt. Maybe somewhere, somehow leadership didn't do the right thing by you. Somewhere, somehow you find yourself in a season of transition where you thought, my time is up and I'm gonna put my horn on the shelf. God is saying to you, fill your horn with oil again because it's time to go again. And here's the thing. Imagine... If Samuel ignored the word of the Lord and left his horn on the shelf, the greatest king that Israel had ever known would have not been anointed. I'm wondering tonight if there are some people over the years of 30 years, 35 years old tonight in the room, and you thought, man, I'm going to leave it to the 21-year-olds to be all on fire for God and jump up the front. I'm going to hang back and just come to church and pay my tithe and do my thing. I'm not really, I don't really want to lead a life group. I don't really want to get involved with evangelism. I don't really want to, want to serve. I'm just going to hang back and do the church thing. God is saying, fill your horn with oil again and go. Come on. Come on. Maybe, just maybe, there are some Davids in the pasture that are waiting for you to pick up your horn again and go. Maybe there are some young people that are waiting for you to prophesy over them those things that you've just, you've just kept silent because I want to say this to you today. If you're not dead, God is not done. So many times we play the lamp game, keep our horns on the shelf. 
when all along it's been the oil. God is saying, fill your lamp again, fill your horn again. Maybe yeah. Numa Church, in this coming season, there are some dreams that need to be reignited again. It's time for you to take the courage and pull that horn off the yeah. shelf and be that Samuel again. So I'm going to go again, God. I'm going to go again. I know that I've been hurt a few times and I've got the bruises of ministry to show for it, but tonight I'm going to go again. I'm going to respond to the altar calling and I'm going to have my heart soft again because it's time to go again. And there are Davids in the pasture that are waiting for me to get my act together to get some oil back in my horn again to go. Maybe you're here tonight and there have been seasons in your life where you felt like God has overlooked you. <laughs> He's chosen you over someone more talented, more gifted, someone younger. I want to say this to you today. It's time to pull your horn off the shelf. Do I get a resounding amen? amen? Here's the thing that I love about oil is that whenever the Bible speaks of oil, he always, the Bible always speaks of the promise that comes with oil. Can I go a little deeper with you for the next five minutes? 2 Kings chapter 4 speaks of how Elisha visits upon a widow who was in such deep financial trouble that she was living in fear of having to sell her sons to creditors. And all she had was one jar of oil left and that once that oil was used up or sold, she would actually starve to death. That was her great fear. Oh man, I, I, I'm telling you that there's something about this account in 2 Kings 4. And here is Elisha and he comes to her and he says to a woman, I want you to go to every single door in your neighborhood, every neighbor that you've got, knock on every door and I want you to ask for every empty canister you can get your hands on. So this woman faithfully goes, knocks on every door and she gathers as many jars as she possibly can. And if you read the story, it accounts for this, this woman, whenever she, she would pour her little jar of oil into these canisters, it would continue to multiply. And here's the thing, it says in 2 Kings 4 verse 6, now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel so the oil ceased. Why did I read out that passage? It's simply this, the promise is this, you will run out of jars long before God runs out of oil. You will run out of jars long before God runs out of oil. See, sometimes we think this, uh, uh, it's, it's toxic conversation to say, I'm not anointed for this anymore. You don't have oil because you stop putting out jars because you're so offended. You don't have oil because you stop putting out jars because you're so disappointed. You don't have oil because you stop putting out jars because you're so disillusioned. You don't have oil because you stop putting out jars for one reason or another. You've just given up on putting out jars. I want to say this to you. God will never run out of oil. You just run out of jars. If you feel like the oil has stopped flowing, it's not because God stopped the oil. It's because you've stopped putting out jars. Here's the thing. All over scripture, Jesus didn't run out of fish. Peter ran out of net. Hello? Jesus didn't run out of bread and fish. People ran out of appetite. Your God has more oil for you than you have jars to put out. All you need to do is keep putting them out year after year, season after season, age after age. I want to be an 80-year-old if God would live, let, let me live that long. I want to be the kind of old guy that puts my jars out. I want to be old, an old Asian uncle. Saying, give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Because I want to go out oily. I want them to bury me oily, Steve Alfin. I want them to bury me oily. I want my kids and my grandkids to not say that, man, Ken Lee, my dad or my grandfather, he had a shiny lamp. I want to say that my, my dad, my granddad, he was a man of the spirit. 
and he hungered for the things that were real. He didn't care about the things that were temporal, but his, he hungered for oil. And at the end of his life, I am an inheritor of the oil that was on his life. I want to hand my church over to the next generation that is oily, that is brimming with electricity of the power of God. I don't just want to play games because we've got a finite time on this earth and the harvest is going to require laborers that are oily, be it in Melbourne, be it in San Francisco, be it in Bangkok, be it in the West, in the South, come on, in the East, come on, in the city. God needs an oily church, and Numa, you are it in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.